Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into our 2022-23 NBA season predictions. The Mavericks play the Phoenix Suns tonight. We're going to be previewing that game as well, of course, today. The first game of the 2022-23 season for your Dallas Mavericks. We are psyched. We will have all the coverage for you over here at Mainstream underscore Mavs on Twitter. And on our podcast, of course, which you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating if you so please. But anyhow, obviously, the um, Warriors and Lakers played last night, along with the 76ers and the Celtics, uh, rounding out the debut of the NBA season. Uh, Did you have any takeaways from those first two games, Jaron? How how psyched are you for the Mavericks versus Suns game tonight? I'm I'm actually really stoked. Uh, I think that We'll, I think we'll be surprised by the Mavericks, Mavericks performance. Um, I guess just kind of takeaways from last night. Uh, I was going to really harp on the Lakers, but, you know, they, they kind of played well in the fourth quarter, so now I can't do that. But other than that, like, I think the NBA got what they needed. Uh, it was a good, good. Um, I guess, it, it was a good uh, honor to Bill Russell uh, early on in that Celtics game uh, with what they did for him. And then the ring ceremony was nice. Other than that, like nothing really. Warriors no, yeah. look really good. Totally. Um, yeah, the Warriors, I mean, despite the Lakers giving whatever valiant effort they had, the Warriors still smoked them. The Lakers' lack of shooting on their roster is very Bad. apparent and something they're gonna need they to address. Need I even saw LeBron we have like one guy on this roster that they need. So who's that? Davis Bertans. Oh my. <laughs> you know that they wouldn't take such a feeble package. And I'm just oh, joking. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, um, yeah, besides that, we're um, after we hashed out all of our predictions, we're going to go ahead because um, in terms of our predictions that we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing our standings predictions for both Eastern and Western Conference. So we're just going to do one through 10. So essentially through the play-in team because uh, hashing out the whole thing, just a little little much because we still want to be able to get into this Mavericks versus Suns preview at the very end of the podcast. And we'll also talk about the Faku Kompazu signing being official even though that we've talked about that at nauseum it's actually official now so he had it hit some quotes at practice the other day we'll go over him a little bit but we won't touch too much on him just really want to build up the excitement get through these season predictions and uh get to this mavs versus suns game preview but before we do all that here's an ad from our sponsor anchor all right jaron so getting into it looking at um just the general scope of this game today we have a couple injuries on the horizon so, uh, would you like to go ahead and tell the listeners the uh, injuries for this Mavericks-Suns game and um, what specific guys we may not see for the Mavericks today is, you know, you know, you expect everybody to be there in the first game, but it seems like the Mavericks do have a couple, uh, I guess, uh, a couple guys got knocked up a little bit in training camp in preseason. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess I'll open it up with the Mavericks side of things. So, Davis Breton still out with that right knee infusion. Or a fusion, and then uh, Frank Nielakina, he was listed as out this, I think, yesterday uh, with a right ankle effusion. And then Maxi Cleaver, this was reported yesterday, so I don't know if there's any update on it. 
but he's questionable for t- or tonight's game uh, with a non-COVID illness. So, and then for Phoenix, uh, Jay Crowder, of course, I think that that's pretty obvious. They're still looking for a trade. Uh, and then Landry Shamit, he is out. Apparently a hip injury. I don't know what happened there, um, but he is out for that reason. Uh, and then that will be it rounding out for injuries. I think everybody else should be expected to play for both sides. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much other than that, like I think besides Maxi Kluber, assuming he doesn't play, uh, like I think it's just kind of guys that are kind of buried in the rotation who aren't playing. Yeah, because, you know, Jay Crowder – is going to be gone regardless, so it's not like he's really a part of this Suns team, per se. Um, yeah. So I really hope that Maxi plays because that'll actually give us a full look at basically what these teams look like each, look like playing each other when they're fully healthy, even though it is just the first game of the season, of course. So, you know, you can't take too much away. But um, the Maxi thing did kind of surprise me, but, you know, sickness has happened. I hope he gets better, and I hope he's able to play. I assume that they'll probably try to, you know, let him go and um, play if it is a sickness thing and it's not, like, two majors, like, it's not the flu or anything. Just from the standpoint, that's the first game of the season, you know, high energy, you want all your guys out there. It's yeah, not exactly. It's like some, like, middle of the season back-to-back or anything. But So we'll, we'll see if he plays. I hope he does. Um, but that obviously could hinder the Mavericks a little bit. We may be seeing some Dwight Powell minutes if Maxi doesn't play. Big man rotation gets minimized a little bit. So we'll kind of end up seeing how that situation plays out. But. You know, I, I don't know what Frank's deal is. I think that might be something that is a continuation from Eurobasket by chance, since I think he hurt his ankle in Eurobasket. So we're going to have to see. Um, you know, obviously he could possibly part. You know, both him and Davis could possibly be in the rotation at some point during the season in certain games. But, you know, both of those guys aren't really staples. So the Mavericks are going to be able to compensate around them. So I'm not too pressed about that. Might actually see some Jaden Hardy minutes. No, we might be intriguing. I am just starting to get a little concerned about Davis's injury, though, because he was out all of preseason with that uh, right knee effusion. So we'll, we'll have to monitor that situation going forward. But hopefully him and Frank are able to get back on the court uh, sometime soon. And, you know, Shamit's out for the Suns. But barring that, they really don't have any injuries. So basically yeah, exactly. pretty healthy, full roster for both squads going at it tonight in this first matchup, which is going to be really exciting. Uh, finally, yesterday, Faku Compazzo finally signed his um, one-year veteran minimum deal with the Mavericks or agreed to terms on it, whatever you want to call it. He's with the team now. Um, And, you know, it wasn't officially reported that he signed a veteran minimum deal, but that's all the Mavericks can give him for a year. So, I mean, it's basically, you know, written in the, written in the tape or whatever you want to call it. It's pretty easy to see. So uh, Jaron, I just want to get your general thoughts. Um, Obviously we've pondered about the, Composo signing for the last like week and a half, it seems seeing what the Mavericks are going to do where at one point we thought maybe that they might even try to uh, backfire on it a little bit and, you know, explore their options on the market, but they finally come to a settlement with Composo. He was at the first game yesterday. I mean, not the first game, but the, uh, he was at training camp practice before the, uh, or just practice in general, I guess, because I don't know. I think it was technically the last day of training camp. Yeah. Cause it was in Dallas. And he was there um, before the Mavericks flew into Phoenix. Um, what are your general thoughts from his first, um, from just him getting signed and his uh, his presser um, that he had the other day? Yeah, so I know uh, the Mavs Instagram, they kind of released some pictures and it looked like he was walking on the plane with the team. I, I assume he's playing because he's not on that injury list. 
so I would expect them to maybe get a handful of minutes in this game. Um, but with that being said, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like the deal is done. Yes, you can argue there's a lot of better options. Uh, you can make that argument all day long. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, the Mavericks uh, have officially agreed with Faku Capazzo, and it seems like Faku Capazzo will be a part of this team going forward. Um, and I guess just what I, I kind of look forward to uh, with him is I, I think he's going to be a good locker room guy. There was really no negatives for him in terms of locker room uh, whenever he was on the Nuggets. And it seems like, you know, his relationship with Luca that's going to carry over a little bit. I know I listened to the uh, presser yesterday with Kid and Compazzo on it, and it kind of seemed like it wasn't a make or break deal that he had a relationship with Luca. Uh, but the fact that he can add another sense of ball handling, it, it just at the end of the day, like it makes more depth. Um, this team has a lack of depth at that ball handler position. And I think adding him, it doesn't hurt necessarily. Yes, of course. I mean, again, you can argue there's better options there. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's here now. Uh, he does add he does add depth. And then I think we're probably going to get a handful of probably fun minutes on the court with him. Uh, maybe Dwight Powell. Uh, I think I could see a connection there, you know, with the lob connection. Uh, all the all these highlights. The garbage of, time minutes with Composite yeah. and Powell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, all these highlights of him, like, passing the ball, like, they're great passes. Don't get me wrong. But, like, none of them are lobs. So, I don't know. Really, and I don't, I haven't like watched him too much, so I don't really know if he has like a great lob threat kind of game. Um, but with that being said, I mean, yeah, like seems like a good locker room guy, adds depth to the to the point guard position. So, you know, I, th- I don't think there's really too many negatives other than that. Yeah, I mean, we can gripe all day long about what the Mavericks could have done and how their contingency plans for that third ball handover position seem to have gone haywire. I don't know, like, what they were doing with the whole Drago situation. But, you know, at the end of the day, the season's here and Composite's on the team. So all we can do is be critical and, uh, you know, monitor the situation going forward and see how he plays out there because, you know, what's done is done. There's no – you know, it's unfortunate if you want to go back and critique it all summer. And we can do that. There will be time to do that later once we get to the offseason next summer or the trade deadline if something – if the situation continues to transpire and – the Mavericks don't get another, you know, legitimate uh, third ball handover, but we'll just have to kind of see how it go- is going forward. At least I think what I'm most excited about is just, you know, his relationship with Luca. At least the Mavericks maintain that ongoing trend of having one Luca friend on the team, whether it be Met- Sala Mejri, um, Boban, or, uh, and now Campazzo, who of course played with Luca at Real Madrid. Um, the Mavericks seem to at least get one of those guys on the team, um, not just a guy who, has become friends with Luca, but has had a previous relationship with him, which I think bodes well for, you know, your superstar. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, keep pulling those guys in and out like you're doing with what like you did with measuring Boban. Hopefully one of these guys can stay consistently um, as, you know, that locker room guy. And, you know, hopefully that is Composo to an extent, just from the standpoint of, you know, being a good relational guy with Luca. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh, anyhow, barring that, now that we got that stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and get into these standing predictions. We're going to be doing both. Um, we're going to be doing one through 10 in each conference. Um, so I guess, Jaron, starting with the Eastern Conference, um, I guess go from 10 up and tell me your uh, standings prediction. Yeah, so 10 up. Um, honestly, I think there's going to be more surprises in this like seven to 10 spot for both conferences, and there will be the like one through six, one through six. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to take my first surprise team 
at the 10 spot in this Eastern Conference. Not saying they're going to make the playoffs or anything, but I think they have a pretty good season. I'm going to take the Washington Wizards at number 10. Uh, at number nine, just missing out on the playoffs, I'm going to take the Jalen Brunson Knicks. And then uh, from here on up, it's all playoffs. I'm going to take the Atlanta Hawks at eight, the Brooklyn Nets at seven. Uh, I'm really intrigued with this team at number six. I think that they can possibly make a deep playoff run, assuming um, everybody kind of progresses with their age and uh, how they play. But I got Cleveland at six. I got Toronto at five, Miami at four. And then these top three teams, I think, are like real contenders in the East. I got the 76ers at three. Uh, and this team I'm really, really high on. Uh, the Celtics at two and the Bucks at one. So we actually do have the same top three, which is interesting. Um, oh, we do. I'll go ahead and iron mine out. I think I'm a little higher on the Cavs than you. Um, but okay. right. I do see where kind of your line of thinking was there um, towards the end. Um, and obviously, like, and I, I know you said that um, – you know, top eight teams make the playoffs, but you know, obviously there is the play in tournament. So had to monitor sure that too. You know, that's why we did one through 10 because teams nine, 10 could still make the playoffs theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at 10, I had the Jalen Brunson most improved campaign campaign <laughs> uh, fan led Knicks. Um, I have the bulls at number nine, you know, okay. obviously if everything was to hit for the bulls and Lonzo just comes back, like it's nothing. And, you know, they could easily jump up into like, the top five of the East, but it's just, you know, they have a lot of injury health factors right now. Yeah. And it just seems that they're kind of things in, I don't know. I wouldn't say their locker room, but just, it just seems that the vibes are off with them for a certain extent with me. So that's why I have them so low, um, you know, under some of these other teams. I mean, I don't even have them in my top 10. So yeah, which is crazy. Like I, I you know, I don't know how you surmise not even putting them in the top 10. But and injuries injuries scare me. I think uh, I think Lonzo is going to be out for good length, and then I, I don't know. I just think his injury is really out. scary in nature. But if yeah, he does come yeah. back, that's you know that'd be something to monitor. But Zach Levine is going to miss the first game or two. We just got that reported. So I mean, yeah. I don't know how that's all going to play out. Doesn't seem like that's anything major. But yeah, I do think the Bulls take a step back. At number eight, I took the uh, the Hawks. But you know, the thing with all these East teams is like really any of these people teams can jump up like these teams are all like uber talented to an extent exactly especially six through ten now maybe not the knicks as much um in the wizards in your scenario but a lot of these teams do have the talent to play beyond their means it's just more so you know you're taking into like personnel factors you're taking in um personality factors between like some of these guys and just looking at history you know i want to go based off of you know who's actually had playoff success and gone far. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I give the benefit of the doubt to those teams. That's why my top three is the way it is, you know, versus some of these other teams who have a lot of talent. But, you know, I feel like there's a proven factor to an extent, you know? Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, so that's why with the Hawks, I put them at number eight. But obviously they're another team that could easily drop and uh, jump into the top five if everything hits for them this season. If that DeJounte Murray, Trey Young backcourt really takes off and John Collins and um, Clint Capella work together um a little more fluidly easily could be a team that i see jump in the top five yeah like they're um, yeah i think that they're the team that like i think has the most room like they're either a one uh, like they can i think they can easily jump up to like a three seed where they can fall as low as like nine like I, no I just, yeah I, I mean actually um i would digress only because my next team 
I think is the only more extreme case of that. And that's the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. That, yeah. I was going to, I was going to say there's like one more team. That's like, that. I put the Nets at seven, not because I think they're going to be seven. I feel like they're either going to be in the top five or they're going to be at like in like, you know, the bottom echelon of the East, but I just had no clue where to put them because everything's dependent on, you know, managing the personalities of Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, <laughs> just a lot of drama going a lot on. Of, a lot of, so, I mean, they, yeah, exactly. So we'll see how they end up playing, but I mean, talent wise, obviously they have the talent to be one of the best teams in the East, but let's just see if they can put it together. That's why I wanted to just pick that middle ground. I thought that was a safe ground. Um, Number six, I think a lot of people would probably put this team at maybe four or five. I've seen them rated a lot higher, but I put the Toronto Raptors. I do think there is credence to the fact that some of their young players like OG and Anobi um, and maybe even Siakam to an extent can take a step and really um, get this team in that, you know, top tier in the East, especially with the ascension of Scotty Barnes. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like they might be a year or two away from really getting there. And I just don't think they have a definite number one on their team. Yeah. And that's the reason I just, cause like these other teams in this top five are like really talented. So that's the only reason I have them where they're at. Number five, I put the Miami heat. I put the heat at number five. Um, obviously they have one of the best, most like well-constructed rosters in the league, but you know, you also fall back on to the fact that, you know, despite how good all their role players are, you know, there are a little, some questions about Kyle Lowry's age. Um, You know, Jimmy Butler is starting to get up there, but not even as much about, you know, I guess his age as it is, you know, can Jimmy Butler be the best player on a championship team is really like the question that I think a lot of heat fans would fall back on. So I really do like the Heat, but as as talented as the East is this year, it was hard for me to um, put them, you know, in my top four. But I could see a scenario in which they ended up getting there. Yeah, no. Number four, I think I'm higher on this team than uh, most people. I put the Cavs. Um, you know, the Cavs obviously do have a lack of three and D wings to an extent. You're really only looking at Isaac Okoro, who has yet to progress as a shooter. He really only is the uh, defensive part of that to an extent. Um, but, you know, barring that, I just think that they're so talented. Um, we, you know, with those four centerpieces and Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, and um, Donovan Mitchell, that I think that, you know, while there might be some, you know, growing pains at the beginning of their run together, like once they figure it out, you know, I, I could see around like that turn of the uh, new year when we get to 2023 or just – you know, maybe trending towards all-star break. I think they honestly are going to take off. That's kind of what, if I have to, you know, project a little bit. So that's why I have the Cavs so high. I really think that they're going to make some noise like late in the season. They're just going to start rattling off wins. At uh, number three, I have the 76ers, but um, that's, I think that was just recency bias since we saw the um, Celtics versus 76ers game last night. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's obviously too early to tell, but I have those teams like really like intertwined with each other. I think I definitely would have the Celtics a clear tier ahead in that Bucks category ahead of the 76ers if Gallinari didn't get hurt and they didn't have the whole Ime Odoka scandal. I, I, you know, I do think that he, you know, is paramount to that team's uh, success to an extent. I mean, he's a really good coach. He got those guys um, all playing in a, you know, in tandem with each other. So, I mean, I think that he really does matter. I don't think it's just like a blow off a go. It's just a, 
head coach of a team. It doesn't matter. Like I, th- I think it does matter. Um, but you know, I, I do think that the 76ers and the Celtics are kind of interchangeable in that sense. But since the Celtics won last night, I gave them the upper hand. I put them at two. Yeah, no. Um, but and the thing is, like the Celtics aren't even fully healthy right now. Yes. No, that's true. It's just from all reports and I guess like what we've seen from the first game. Uh, James Harden looks really good. And, you know, given what Philadelphia did over the offseason, um, just the way that they constructed, um, you know, their rotation with their role players, they shirt up some shooting and things of that nature and their defense. And I mean, Matisse Thibault's not even playing. So they're, they inevitably might trade him at some point. Like, yeah, I, I thought that, you know, I think they definitely like take a little bit of a leap from last year where it seemed like Embiid basically had to do everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, obviously I still think the Celtics, you know, they went to the finals last year. I still think they're a little better. So I put them at that number two tier. And then, you know, obviously um, the Bucks were hampered by injuries last year. And, you know, that's part of the reason they weren't able to get as far as they wanted to. You know, given a healthy Bucks team most of the season, I know Chris Middleton's dealing with some stuff right now, but if the Bucks are like, you know, healthy 75% of the season, I think that, you know, Giannis plants his foot and reminds everybody who he, who, who he is because I think people got sidetracked from that fact for a little bit. And he um, is going to, you know, lead the Bucks to a number, another number one seed because um, I, I feel like people are really um, underrating them right now. And, and I feel like they're like really going under the radar. So that's uh, that's my Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, like I think I think like there's one clear answer for the number one spot. I just think the 76ers might have. I don't know, there's too much uncertainty there. Uh, in terms of James Harden and not to say, I mean, he looked amazing last night, but he, all he did was shoot threes pretty much. Uh, and then the Celtics, you know, they got a lot of outside noise going on. Like, how's that going to hinder them? Like the, the bucks injury aside for Chris Middleton, like the bucks, I think are the clear number one in this choice. No, hundred percent. Um, so do you want to do the Western conference things real quick, or do you want to take a quick little, um, break in between the, um, standings and go ahead and do the awards real quick that we picked just for the uh, player awards yeah let's i mean let's just throw these player awards in there real quick okay we're not going to discuss these too heavily but we picked the uh, mvp six man of the year defense player of the year most improved player and rookie of the year um yes, just for the hell of it you know since we were doing our season predictions um you know we figured we needed to do the um, awards as well um so for and i mean we didn't do coach of the year or executive of the year but if you want to you can feel free to throw out a name on those so yeah okay. uh right. anyhow so for uh, mvp i got luca you know obviously we have the implicit bias of being yes, the sir. mainstream mavs podcast but <laughs> you know we i legitimately do think luca finally does make his mvp year um, yeah, that's no, as I'm... much bias as i can put aside you know obviously you can't call me completely unbiased i literally host a mavs podcast but you know i think that he finally plants his foot and gets off to that hot start in the season. You know, I feel like all signs of in terms of training camp and preseason point towards that. So that's why I put him as MVP. So I'm really excited to see if he can actually do it. Yeah, um, no, I'm going to, I'm going to double up on that. I'm picking Luca as well. I mean, he just looks healthy to start the season. He looks like midseason Luca. Uh, and I think there's arguments to be made for, I think the bigger, biggest argument would, which would be uh, Giannis and Embiid. I think Embiid, you can kind of, maybe rule out just because of his injury pass. And then I think honestly, Giannis- I would probably, I think Embiid is more likely than Giannis just yeah, from the yeah. standpoint that 
you know, the NBA tends to not like to like, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, they, they just don't like like repeating MVPs on, you know, at nauseum, you know, continuously. Um, we've seen that with Jokic. We've seen that with Giannis. They won their two and then they haven't. I mean, well, you will obviously we have, yeah, it's like yet to be seen if Jokic could theoretically win a third one in a row. But, you know, because of that, that's why I was like, you know what? I think there's going to be a change in scenery. So I think it's either Luca versus Embiid, but, you know, we're a Mavs podcast. So give me Luca. Yeah, give me Luca. All right. Sixth man of the year. Um, I put Jordan Poole. Who did you put? Uh, oh, that's actually a really good point. Uh, I put Brogdon in this. I think the Celtics, uh, I, I just think the Celtics are much deeper. I think Brogdon brings more to the table, but honestly, Jordan Poole's maybe my pick if I had a choice or had a change. Uh, cause honestly, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I think, I, I just think Jordan Poole elevates into a starting role over Clay Thompson eventually this season. Really? I, I do think that. Yeah. Wow. That's a hot take. I think because of the legacy that Clay Thompson has there, there's no way the Warriors would do that until he's gone. I just don't think they would do him like that. But I, um, but I think, I mean, Clay's a team guy. I don't know if he'd let his pride swallow him in that sense. If he has too big of an ego to do that, or if he'd be willing to do that for the team, but uh, that's really intriguing. That's a, that's a fun, hot take. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I like, I think Brogdon, like not, I think from a general NBA fan standpoint, you're going to pick Jordan Poole. His game's more flashy. Um, he'll probably average more points than Brogdon by a small margin. Um, you know, he's, he's an efficient offensive threat, but I think, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I can see the Brogdon pick. I pondered him too. He obviously brings almost as much offensively, but a ton more defensively as Jordan Poole. Yeah, but, no, you know, he was I, a, you know, last season in Milwaukee, he was a 50, 40, 90 guy. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that there is some sort of projection with Jordan Poole now that he's making almost 35 million a year, which is insane or whatever <laughs> it is um, that he's going to ascend a little bit. Um, but um, just from the standpoint that he has to, to live up to his contract a little bit, I feel like he personally has to, or, or, or else that's going to be looked at really negatively going forward once the no, – That's actually a good take. I like that. Once the um, – like once like Steph, Clay, and Draymond all fizzle out here in, you know, the coming years. But, you know, also signs point towards them playing at least effectively for another three, four years. So, yeah, I mean, um, that's just my uh, – that's the only reason I picked Poole. But, you know, Brogdon was definitely a close second. Who did you put for uh, defensive player of the year? Um, So, I think a guy – I chose a guy that – I don't think a whole lot of people think about he, he's a defensive minded guy, but I just don't think a whole lot of people think about him. I chose Bam Adebayo. Okay. Yeah, no, I can see that. I, I honestly like pondered him for a little bit. Um, I put Giannis, you know, I know the NBA has okay, a that's good. history like that. of like not liking to repeat on these awards, but I, I just feel like what Giannis brings defensively is just so like all encompassing. Like, I mean, he, like, I, I honestly view Giannis as the perfect defender. I mean, I feel like a lot of NBA fans get caught up in the whole, oh, he's expelling so much on offense. You know, he can't try as much as hard as he needs to on defense. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think that that's a um, – I really just think that – I mean, he can defend one through five as effectively as anybody. Insane mobility, insane length, can cover everything. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, like – he, we have so much tape of seeing Giannis play defense. Like, I don't think it's like really that, you know, hard to, even though he's already won it twice, I, I believe defense play of the year that is to see that's why I'd pick him again, you know? 
No, yeah, I like that choice, actually. I will say one dark horse, though, that I feel like nobody's talking about for defensive player of the year. If the Nets hit is Ben Simmons, which I I don't think. No, I I I actually debated Ben Simmons, and then I was like, I just think he's going to take a little bit to get his. Yeah, I think he might take a little bit to get his mojo back. But, you know, once he does, I could see at least his, his, obviously, at least his defense hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so who did you end up picking for most improved player? Because. I know a lot of people on Twitter are throwing out Jalen Brunson, and I thought about him for a while, but I ended up landing on another guy that I think has a – I don't know. I think he can make, take more of a step, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. I you know, I think that this player is already really good, um, but I have him taking an even bigger step, and he unfortunately plays for a really bad team who might even trade him away because they're competing for that Victor Wimbanyama spot, but I got Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, wow. I like that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I could yeah, I could really, you know, honestly see him taking that step to fringe all-star from where he's at right yeah. now or maybe even all-star. I mean, he's got better, you know, ever since he's been in the league and is he's going into his third year now, I believe. Um, yeah, third year. So, you know, this is typically the year where, you know, sometimes guys hit that sophomore wall. Like, you know, maybe the, the transcending superstars like John Moran or Luca, they don't hit that sophomore wall. They just keep going. But a lot of guys, like it takes them, uh, you know, that, that year to get better. I mean, Halliburton got a lot better in his second year. And I mean, I think it, exactly. I can see that. I honestly think he'll, he can honestly take his, an even bigger step in either this year or next year. So we'll end up seeing how that goes, but I do like that pick um, just from the standpoint that he's been dealing with injuries and everything. I'm taking a little bit of a gamble on mine, but I went with uh, Michael Porter jr. Oh, I, I like that. I like that. It, yeah. The back injury does scare me, but yeah. I actually really like that pick. Yeah, exactly. And um I feel like I can like probably comfortably say I know who your rookie of the year pick is, but you can go ahead and tell me. Yeah, I, I just think he has the biggest role out of all these rookies. Uh, and again, I mean, he's playing on a pretty bad team. I got Paulo Boncaro. So. Yeah, same. I mean, yeah. I think he's already looked at as the number one guy on that team, even like with Franz Wagner. Exactly. And everything. Like, I think he's their go-to guy. I think he's the best player in this draft class. I think he can become an all-star within, honestly – maybe after this year yeah i was like he i think he's like the fastest leveling all-star out of this yeah i know he i mean he there's some guys that will develop out of this this draft class but he honestly projects the best for me so you know obviously there's there was some skepticism on draft night if that he was going to go number one everybody's actually really surprised he went number one because lee you know he was basically the consensus number one pick up until like the last couple weeks of the draft or before the draft where you know everybody's like oh jabari smith's going number one so um, I don't know, but yeah, for me, it was always Paolo. So I definitely would agree with you on that one. Yeah. That's why I, I like as well. All right. Um, let's go ahead and do the uh, West standings real quick. And then we can go ahead and after that, preview the Mavericks versus Suns game. All right. So just like the East standings, we're going to go from the bottom up. So from the 10th seed all the way to the first seed, who do you have at your 10th spot in the West standings um, for your 2022-23 NBA season predictions, Jaron? Yeah, okay. So this team, they I think they stay competitive throughout the year, but they're just not good. I got the uh, Los Angeles Lakers here. Fair enough. Yeah. Um at the 9 spot, I got a little bit of a surprise here. I think this team makes a little bit of a run. Uh you know, they've they've spent a full year together now and I think another full year will do them well. I got the Sacramento Kings at number 9. Oh wow, he took them yeah. high. <laughs> and then wow. After the playoff drought after the playoff drought, but and I don't think if you're, I don't if think you're forecasting here, do the Kings end up beating out the eight seed in your um little um 
in your standings here that you've no, uh, because predicted? Do they do they end up making that, that? Yeah, do they end up uh, making the uh, playoffs via the play-in tournament? They do not. I think this uh, eight-spot team blows them out. In fact, and I think that this eight-spot team gives my number one seed an actual run for their money. So I got the Memphis Grizzlies at number eight. Oh wow, that's drop back this year. Wow. Um, I, I just Jaron Jackson Jr. I think just too much injuries there. Um, and I, I don't know. I hate to say this. Uh, I mean, of course, like they've lost depth. Um, but I hate to say this. Like I just think John Morant doesn't. I think he has like starts having like lingering injuries such as like an ankle or a knee problem. I don't think it t- necessarily like necessarily throws their season out of the tank for like a whole season, but I just think that this is kind of an off season for them. No, um, I, I get that with the, the Jaron Jackson injury and just kind of some of the roster moves that they made losing Kyle Anderson, that whole, you know, DeAnthony Melton trade during the draft and everything. I, and with Jaron Jackson junior sideline to begin the season, I definitely agree with that. I actually yeah. have them at my number eight spot as well. Oh, you do. Okay. Yes. Then what was your, Oh, wow. For so, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, Rounding out the play-in spot, I got the number seven Phoenix Suns. I just think that this team, other than their top five, I think that they drop way off from there. They have like zero depth outside of their top five. And with all this DeAndre Ayton noise going around and uh, Sarver, I think that they've put most of it behind them already. Uh, but I just think that – I mean, I wouldn't say that. I think it did, I think it's one of those problems that, you know, it's like when you're dating a girl, right? And it's like you, you're able to distinguish the, what the problem is. You understand that it's a problem, but you guys don't actually end up fixing it. You know, it's still okay. lingering in the background. I think that's kind of what the Suns have going on with the whole is it Sarver thing. Is it going to open up versus the Mavericks, though, is the question. So, uh, no, I respect that, though. But I, just for those reasons alone, and it, like Chris Paul, like we saw his age become a factor in the playoffs, and I think we'll see it become a factor in the regular season here. And I have them taking a huge step back and – and this whole, I think it's the Pacific division here. Like they, they're all making a top 10 spot here. Um, but I think that Phoenix rounds out at number seven. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that I don't have, I'm not that pessimistic on them. Like I think that there's still a very like talented team and they do have like surrounding pieces around their, you know, two backcourt all-stars, if you will, that are going to bode well for them. But, you know, just the chemistry issues and the ownership issues, obviously, Concern me a lot with them, or I'm not really concerned about them because I don't really care about them, especially from a mass fan perspective. <laughs> from an analytical sense, uh, that definitely concerns me regarding them. So I don't, I don't have them quite that low, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess just throwing out the number six spot here, I think that this team has a really solid regular season. I think the huge question is whether or not their star player or could be star player stays healthy. And I think that they can make some real noise in the playoffs like they did last year. I got the New Orleans Pelicans at number six. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, I'm really high on this team. I don't think they quite make the leap in like a top five necessarily, but I, I'm really high on this team right now. Uh, yeah, they have all the surrounding pieces as well. Who did you put um, to your number five spot? I got uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves in my number five spot. So, Wow. I, I, I do think that uh, there's a possibility that this team is built for a, a playoff run rather than regular season. But I, I, I like this Minnesota squad. I just don't think they're quite the regular season build. Uh, and I still, and that's saying a lot because they're still going to be a number five spot in, in my opinion. Yeah, that's uh, interesting to me because I mean, I think they could have some like 
gelling issues at the beginning of the season. But at the end yeah, of the day, and that's, yeah. you look at these teams that have had Rudy Gobert on them, all these renditions of all these jazz teams, and they're always hard-pressed to be able to get above the second round because when everybody starts playing smaller in the third, you know, in the third round, not that, you know, you can't beat small teams with a traditional center um, in a defensive oriented center. Uh, but when you, you start to get down into the playoffs and you're facing against the best of the best in terms of the uh, small ball teams, that's what I think people really look past a lot of times, like the Warriors, for instance, or uh, even the Clippers with like some of their death wing lineups, like those teams are, you know, so talented one through uh, one through five, everybody on the court and just in terms of their switchability and things like that, that a lot of other teams don't have. And I think that that's what ham- has hampered a lot of Gobert-led uh, jazz teams in the playoffs. So for that, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily agree in terms of if they're built better for the playoffs, just from, in my opinion, but uh, I think that they will be a really good regular season team. No, yeah, I mean, that's a good point you bring up. I just think, I think that there is an argument argument to be made. Maybe if you take the Warriors out of context here, there's an argument to be made that this could be the top or, or the best starting five in the NBA, um, just in terms of what kind of talent they have. Um, but I think that these four and five teams right here, or this four and five team right here, I think they're kind of interchangeable. I think that you could put one at the five and the other at four. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I got the Dallas Mavericks at number four for obvious reasons. Um, for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. I don't I, think we need, to, think we need to detail other. too much. Well, yeah. We talk about the Mavs every day. So, I mean, you know, you can understand the justifications or the reasons that we have would have them lower or higher or whatever. But yeah, I get that. Who do you have at number three? Number three, I got the like one through three is kind of tough. I think that there's like clear answers whenever you really look at them. Uh, but really two for three was kind of the tough question for me. Uh, and I got the nuggets at number three. Okay. Yeah. I feel that. So the real question is, did you put Clippers or Warriors at number one and two? So I chose the Warriors at number one and the Clippers at number two. I just think the Warriors uh, and this is saying a lot because the Clippers are extremely deep too. I just yeah. think the Warriors have too many star power, like backup guys on their team, and they're young. Uh, I, they're just too good to not put at number one. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, like the Clippers may have like deeper rotational pieces than the Warriors um, in terms of guys that are playing around their two superstars, but I mean, the Warriors have like, you know, like like you said, they have guys that, could develop into all-stars like in Wiseman pool. I mean, even, you know, to a lesser extent Wiggins, I mean, he was an all-star last year. And I mean, all-star that first game, he looks like he's honestly like still a fringe all-star. Yeah. He, I think he dropped 18 points and yeah. Like I'm not saying really well. Wiggins is, I'm, I'm just saying like all-star level. I'm not saying there's like that he's deserving over, you know, all these other players or, you know, that he'll actually make that team this year you know obviously he got in because of the fan vote and all that sort of stuff but i mean he like is on that level of playing field in terms of um just kind of how close he is to that status and i mean i think a lot of people need to honestly realize that i mean he helped them win championships so yeah exactly yeah okay yeah i mean i I don't mine's actually really not that much dissimilar to yours but there's just a few uh, editations in certain spots uh so for number 10 i have the famed Sacramento Kings. Okay. Uh, right. A team that I do not have in my top 10. This a little bit of forecasting, I guess, but I do not have the Los Angeles Lakers in my top 10. Okay. And that's respectful. I think that the, the situation is just going to become too dramatic at some point during the season, and they're going to be forced to implode upon the roster. I don't know. I 
I'm just, I think I'm forecasting doomsday scenarios for the Lakers, whether that be, you know, this season or during the off season or the trade deadline. I, I think that the Lakers, LeBron, AD, the whole, the whole thing, everything that they've worked for and put together, I think it all comes to an end within. So their, their days. Are I, well, not this year, well, at the, at the earliest this year, but I think it all comes to an end um, within uh, let's go the next calendar year within a calendar year. I think it's, it's all come to an end uh, a calendar year and a half at the most. Okay. I respect that though. I think that, yeah. that has, you, you have some actual validity to that. Yeah. Um, so then I put um, the blazers at number nine. You know, I, I obviously think the Blazers, they definitely have some, you know, guys in terms of Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp that could, you know, boost them up a tier or two here. Um, but, you know, they're just not near as talented as they used to be. So, Dame's going to have to do a lot once again. And I think that they, you know, are definitely considerable to uh, make that play in tournament. Uh, number eight, I put the Grizzlies for the reasons that we basically mentioned earlier. Um, let's talk with, that on, with you on that. Uh, number seven, I have the tel- uh, the Pelicans. I'm really high on them, but I am very skeptical about Zion's health um, and just how they fare. And you know, just in a whole season, we'd never seen one of these Zion play a whole season. So I think yeah, yeah. there's just a bit of a prove-it factor there for me, as as hyped as I am to see how they actually play in the season. Um, these next two teams are kind of interchangeable for me. Um, I ended up going with the Suns at number six, but. I could see them jumping above the number five team, which I have, which is the Mavericks, of course. Okay. Um, obviously, that might be kind of uh, – might anger some Mavericks fans at face value, obviously. Um, but I did put the Mavericks ahead of the Suns at number five. Uh, but I do think, you know, if the Suns actually are able to figure some things out – like, I still think the Suns are talented. I, I don't want to get that misconception. Like, they still are a good team. We can't discount the fact that they won 60 games last year. Um, I think I feel like some people are tending to do that despite, you know, all the things that have happened in their organization. You know, I could see this affecting them to an extent, but, you know, I, they still do have some good pieces there. So I still think they end up number, being number six, but I don't know if they'll be able to overcome um, that so much as to enter the top five. Uh, so yeah, that's I why I put, I put the Mavericks at number five. I could see the Mavericks, you know, depending on how things go, doing better than the number four and three seed in terms of how they fare in the playoffs. If the Mavericks are able to get that, coveted third ball handler at some point, but I think the next two teams are just deeper and project better as regular season teams in the Mavericks. Um, I, I still think the reason I have the Mavericks at number five is because I, I don't think the third ball handler issue is going to be as, I don't think it's going to be as prominent of an issue in the regular season. The, regular, I think the Mavericks yeah, I will be able to cover it up a little bit more. So that's why I have them as high as I do, but I still think the next two teams are just too deep for me to, um, put the uh mavericks ahead of and i at number four i have the wolves and number three i have the nuggets you know i debated between maybe putting the mavericks ahead of the wolves but um it'll kind of just depend on how fast the wolves figure it out you know the mavericks have some pieces that they have to incorporate within their team too so i guess that's where i was like you know what i'll put the wolves ahead of the mavericks but you know it's not by a far margin uh and the nuggets and the wolves aren't too far between each other but i think there's a very big gap between number three and two and um, I, I basically just did this in opposite of what you did in terms of those last two spots. I put the Warriors at number two and the Clippers at number one. Um, but after last night, I'm definitely considering <laughs> changing that to the Warriors. But, you know, it, it, I don't know. I only put the Warriors from the standpoint that I 
I'm just predicting. Like, I honestly do think – I mean, I put the Clippers number one just because I'm predicting. I think that the Warriors honestly might have a better roster overall. And, you know, revisionist history would tell us that they're better suited to play better during the regular season and be more consistent and get that number one seed versus the Clippers who have been hampered with injuries kind of over the last year and things like that. I'm just banking on the fact that the Clippers finally have a healthy year. We're like, really like they don't have much injuries. Everything goes swimmingly and they just finally come in, take that number one seed. And that kind of, and I, I just feel like it's the Clippers year. I feel like it finally is. Yeah. And um, the former um, San Diego Clippers, I think Buffalo Braves before that or whatever they were, they, they finally, they finally um, break up. I think they finally, I think they finally bring home um, a chip in La La Land, and um, hence, <laughs> like for my my finals prediction that I did, I, I think it's um, Celtics versus Clippers again. I think the Celtics kind of figure it out. You know, even though they're having some issues right now, I think they figured out by the end of the season and they're able to get past the Bucks. But it's either going to be the Celtics or I think at the end of the day, the top four teams that we could both agree are either going to be in the finals. Um, two of these teams between these four will for sure be in the finals. I think we could probably agree, or at least probably. I mean, you never know, but I think the Clippers, Warriors, Bucks, and Celtics, one of those, I mean, two of those four teams uh, will most likely end up being in the finals. And I think one of yeah. those four teams is like a hundred percent without a doubt going to be in the finals. Yeah, no, I, I chose for my finals prediction. I chose two of those four teams. So, yeah. So I mean, I chose Celtics versus Clippers and the Clippers winning it. So who'd you choose? I chose uh, a repeat of last year. I chose the Warriors and Celtics, except I think the Celtics take it home this year. You think the Celtics take it home this year? I think uh, B city takes it back. So I think they finally get a championship for the first time since 08. Hey. Um, yeah, so I got the Celtics. I'm really high on them this season. I think that they'll have a few hiccups here and there, but once they figure it out, I think they get it together. Yeah, no, no, I can see that for sure. That's a, I like that. Anyhow, um, we were going to go ahead and get into um, – we had three topics that we had ironed out in terms of um, the Mavericks and, like, just questions before the season starts. But we're honestly going to probably put these up on Twitter because – this podcast is already running really long. And I, don't yeah, know I, I was about to say, I was like, it's a long, so. Yeah. So we're going to put those up on Twitter and see if you guys want to answer them. Uh, Cause we've already talked about them like at length. Like, ha- wouldn't you agree that we've talked about most of these topics? Like at least in, once in podcast and like it, like we've had, like they've been like a segment in certain podcasts for the most part. Yeah. Like so, multiple times probably. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So we just wanted to do like more of an official like season preview thing. But since we've it took so long in the standings and the awards predictions, we're just going to go ahead and preview the Mavericks versus Suns game real quick, and then um, we're going to forecast for tonight. So, Jaron, obviously the Mavericks take on the Phoenix Suns tonight at 9 p.m. Central time, I believe on ESPN. Yeah, ESPN. Um, so for all the people who are affected by the Sinclair uh, deal or you can't get Bally Sports Plus or whatever it is, you can watch the game. Um, it will be at the um, – was it called the footprint center now? Yeah. Fo- uh, yeah, yes. footprint. The footprint center, of course. Um, but you know, knowing ESPN, the game actually probably is going to start like nine 15. Um, so Jaron, obviously we have been building up to this penultimate yes, first sir. game of the season for months now, ever since we started our podcast back in June. Um, just talk about what this means, uh, not just to us, but for uh, Mavericks fans as well to see this team back on the court and just the excitement that, is surrounding this 2022-23 season before we actually 
go ahead and get into an actual like preview of the game. Yeah, I mean, dude, like I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I mean, we've the whole entire two, three months of this podcast duration. Uh, I mean, it's been longer than that. I think it's been four months now or something like that. Um, but just the whole entire length of this podcast, you know, it's been the off season, uh, preseason, summer league, and now we're getting to watch meaningful games. And just in the sense of me and Will, like it means a lot in that sense. And I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the challenge. I know it's going to be a lot to do, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but I mean, the season is finally starting. It feels like it's been way too long. Uh, but at the same time, it feels like it's just gone by in a blink of an eye. Um, but yeah, I mean, and even, you know, for a Mavericks point of view to play the Phoenix Suns, uh, I guess even for Phoenix, for them to play the Dallas Mavericks, like it, it's a big deal for both these teams. Do the Phoenix Suns get revenge on game seven? Uh, does do the Mavericks, you know, kind of just entail what they're going to do for the rest of the season? How is Luka Doncic going to work? There's so many headlines um, for this season. I think going in and I think this first game will answer a lot of these. Uh, but I, I, I'll tell you this. I just, I cannot wait. I've been counting down the days and today is finally the day. No, exactly. I mean, obviously at the end of the day, it is just the first game of the season. You know, it's a really big matchup, you know, the whole game seven revenge game for Phoenix at Phoenix, um, you know, opening or second opening night and the, you know, the NBA week and everything. So it's a huge game, you know, would be great to start off one and zero against the Suns. I don't know how much we can actually pull from this game. Just it is the first game of the year, but you know I think it's more of a mental thing. Yeah. How does this Mavericks? How does what is the mental fortitude of this Mavericks team? I think that's something we can take away. You know this is a really like um, big game from the standpoint of you got to come in and you know plant your foot and be like hey like you know game seven wasn't a fluke you know. And there's going to be a lot of narratives ensuing from this. I know this, if the Suns win tonight, you know, this is going to become a big, uh, or honestly, I could see it becoming a rivalry just between fan bases at least. I mean, it already kind of is to an extent, but, you know, then the Suns fans are going to fire back. So I'm really excited to kind of see how it all plays out. Both teams have essentially their full rotations. Um, Assuming Maxi plays, I feel like. Yeah, assuming if Maxi does play. Obviously, like, you know, just matchup wise, Suns really haven't changed too much from last year, you know, barring Crowder being out. But the, the good thing is, is that, you know, they haven't found a trade for Jay Crowder yet. So it's not like they have anybody to replace him. So that's one guy short of who they had last year. So yeah, that exactly. hampers their wing depth a little bit. If I had to guess, I haven't like looked into anything, but I would think Cam Johnson's probably going to start. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah. I think he's like the guy who's gonna step up. Yeah, this. he's like. I mean, like, no son's Twitter is coveting him as their, their next kind of wing. So I mean, I think it's gonna be um, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton. And obviously, we stole Javale from them as well. But you know, they still got Bismack. So that's kind of their little center rotation there. But they are real, like you said, they are kind of thin on the wings. After you get past uh, Cam Johnson, the Suns team isn't like terribly different from last year, but there are some my some there are some minute differences from the team last year. Um of course. So like um let's see looking at it here. Like Dario Sarge is healthy now. Yeah Dario Sarge is healthy. Um but you know it just like it does seem like they're a little like depth struck compared to last year. And especially if Sham it's not playing, you know, they'll have Tory Craig still in that rotation. Maybe Ish Wainwright gets some minutes, but you know they added Josh Akogi Damian Lee, some some dudes that, you know, complimentary, 
role players, Damian Lee, just another good shooter to come off the bench. He can play a little bit of defense. Um, you know, Akogi, obviously a little kind of like an undersized, you know, defensive guard type guy who – or def, an undersized defensive wing, rather, who, you know, only his only thing is he really hasn't found a sticking point with his shot yet. But, um, you know, in terms of everything else, he's a really good defender. So, But, they, you know, these are not guys that are, like, moving the needle. Like, you know, these are not guys that are, like, staples and, you know – an eight man rotation. If you're just looking at the top eight of a team. So exactly. It'll yeah. be really interesting to see how that conflicts with the Mavericks. I honestly do think that, you know, barring everything else, I really like just think looking at it from top to bottom, Mavericks have a better roster on paper. Um, but I, you know, the narratives and all that sort of stuff scare me in terms of if Chris Paul or Devin Booker is just going to, you know, really take this upon themselves and have a great revenge game. But, you know, it seems like the Suns and everything coming out of media day seems kind of fragile with them. But, you know, it would be the most Mavs thing ever to see everything just flip on its head and the Suns come out and kill us at the gates. Yeah, I was about um, to say, I, was like, I could see that happening. I, I know a lot of Mavs fans are getting preemptive thinking that we're just going to blow them out. But, I mean, it, this could easily <laughs> go the other way. So, like, I, I hope the Mavericks play up to um, their potential and everything. But I'm just really excited to see – the Mavericks full rotation on display, like everybody actually playing a full game, seeing how that all plans out. I think we could see some Jaden Hardy minutes, especially with, um, you know, this whole, if Frank's out. So that, that intrigues me. I'm really just interested to see how Christian Wood, um, you know, for instance, is able to fare um, like in an actual game. I, I, cause I don't really feel like we've seen the full package open up with him and Luca in terms of the dynamicism that exists between them on offense, you know, I've seen, I think we've seen times in the preseason where, you know, they've done the pick and roll more in one game on the magic game. They've done the pick and pop more like in the jazz game, but I don't really think that they've really tried expelling or I don't think Jason kids really showed everything that they have on offense together. I mean, I don't know if that's going to come in this first game, but I definitely think they're going to open up things a little more, you know, you don't open up the playbook as much in the preseason. So, you know, maybe we see the Mavericks test out, you know, if things really start to get grim, um, you know, I know this, the Suns are missing a shooter in Jay Crowder. You know, their they're wing depth's a little thinner. Maybe the Mavericks go to some zone uh, at some point. Like, we didn't really get to see that too much in the preseason. So, I'm just kind of really interested to see how the game adjustments. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to. And just how everybody on the Mavericks side of things um, really ends up playing, especially the new guys. I mean, I feel pretty steady about JaVale. It'll be interesting to see him against his former team, of course. Um, but, you know, I feel pretty steady about him. But really just intrigued to – you know, see how the new guys pan out. You know, I, I, what I could take from preseason as I thought, you know, and a lot of fans are saying this on Twitter is that Tim seems like he's honestly like back. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, you know, being old Tim. And that would be essential, especially if he's able to do that in that off the bench role. Um, you know, it'd be interesting, like you said, to see if Faku gets any minutes. I don't know if he's quite acclimated enough to get thrown out there the first game, you know, only having a day's worth of practice, but maybe he is. Um, so I, I mean, it'll just be really interesting to see how everything pans out. This is, you know, we can go upon, you know, questionables and what could happen all day, but at the end of the day, it's the first season. So it's hard to, or it's first game of the first season. Game of so season. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to really like analyze everything, anything and project for future games until we see this game. So I, I guess those are just some of my main takeaways. Do you have anything else before we end the podcast? Yeah. Um, I mean, for the Phoenix Suns, this is their eighth time in a row playing the Dallas Mavericks. I'm, I, I'm wondering if there's still going to be any playoff hatred there. Uh, I mean, of course, like I think the NBA is trying to and I think 
fans for that matter trying to mold this into a rivalry um but you know just from a player perspective like is is that going to carry over uh with all this deandre ayton debacle uh i mean there's been a lot of outside noise for the phoenix suns like is is the the passion of the playoffs you know losing to this team in seven is that going to carry over even just a little bit when playing the dallas mavericks you know your season starting i think there's going to be a lot of happy like or not happy but i think there's going to be we saw it last night where guys were just kind of chucking up shots and that's just a take of, you know, that's just their first game that they're just going to take bad shots because everybody's excited to play. Um, so I'm wondering how much that is going to be limited for both teams. Um, but for the Mavericks, you know, this is basically a new roster. Uh, you know, we've, we lost a key piece and we gained some key pieces. I'm interested to see how we look now faring against a team who's kind of eerie similar than what they were last year. Uh, minus Crowder, of course. Um but other than that, like, I'm really looking forward to tonight. If I had a score prediction, um, I really think it's going to be – I'm going to – 118 to 112 is what I'm going to guess. What about you? Yeah, um, I, I could see – I don't know. Um, I think offense is a little more rusty in the first game, but I do think it is close nonetheless. I'm going to go 109 to 105 Dallas. Yeah, I'm picking Dallas in mind, so – yeah, no, I, um, I think we have to just given the Homer status of us. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that legacy said. media figureheads. <laughs> All these figureheads. Oh, I'm just um, joking. Um, so with that being said, I think tip off is at nine. Um, uh, nine with 15. ESPN, it's like nine fifteen, Jaren. Yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. Yes, you have to remember. Um, but yeah, like I am really looking forward to tonight. I wonder if uh, Phoenix is going to wear their ugly. Uh, is that their statement or is that their city edition? I think that's a shitty edition. Okay, right. I, was, sure I hope it's a shitty edition. Yeah, uh, you're talking about the blue ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would they're not, they're not ugly jerseys. They're just ugly for Phoenix. Exactly. That that was essentially where I landed on that. But, yeah, um, we got to go ahead and wrap this one up. But make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Maz. We hope you guys enjoyed our season preview for the 2022-23 season. We're excited. We're going to be producing even more content. We're excited to grow with you guys and get to know you guys more. Um, and um, – we will be at the Mavericks home opener. We're going to keep reiterating that in our podcast this week. We'll be at the Mavericks home opener. So keep hitting us up on Twitter. If you guys want to meet up at all, we would love to meet you guys. But with that being said, we'll see you guys after the game tonight. We'll have a podcast post game, but uh, we will catch you guys um, tonight. What's uh, It's game day. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs>